Hello, 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 and welcome to There's This Thing at Work, the podcast where we delve into the workplace issues that are usually swept under the carpet. We're here so you can stop listening to your friends, partners, and parents telling you what you want to hear, not what you need to hear. Tough situations need honest and direct answers, and in There's This Thing at Work, our panel of people experts are going to find them. Okay. Wasn't it great on December 31st at 12 midnight when the clock struck 12 and all of our 2020 problems just disappeared? Wasn't that neat? I love how that happened. Of course, that didn't really happen. And 2020 and everything that happened still lingers on. Lockdowns across Europe are continuing and more and more disastrous news seems to be hitting us from the airwaves every single day. Uh, So today on There's This Thing at Work, we have been sent a very timely question, uh, which is around people in my organization are feeling the burn of 2020. It was a tough year. They're exhausted, depressed, and disconnected. The future also looks really uncertain. How do I deal with this? Wow, what a tough question, everyone. I read this and I felt, I just, yes, I could have written it myself, I think. Um, so I would love, as we always do, to do a lovely little introduction, a spin around the room. If we could introduce ourselves, our name, where we're from and something nice, which happened to us in 2020, please. Let's start with some positivity before we get into the difficulty of this question. Um, Raj, do you want to kick us off? Sure. Absolutely. Hi everyone. I'm Raj. I'm the founder and CEO of Learnably. Uh, something positive that happened to me. So, Personally and health-wise, some of you, uh, or fellow kind of panelists, will know I've struggled with some back pain problems historically. So I managed to overcome those and had some surgery, and now I feel much, much better. So that was a, a definite positive lining of 2020. And professionally, welcomed uh, lots of new colleagues to the team. So it was great to have uh, some great new faces join the, the team at Learnably. That's lovely. Tom? Yeah, I'll go next. I'm Tom. I'm the Chief People Officer at Bulb. Um, like Raj, my work highlight was welcoming more than 300 new team members to our business um, during lockdown, which pretty extraordinary. Um, but my, my, the good thing that happened to me in my life was I, I went into 2020 wondering how I would convince my partner to move in with me. Uh, and then <laughs> the events of lockdown kind of made that decision for us. Um, and now we've spent more time with one another over the last year than I think I've ever spent with anybody else in my entire life. But that is, um, so as I was thinking back on what I was grateful on last year, that was that was something I was grateful for. Oh, brilliant. Um, hello, everyone. I'm Shah Hamill, uh, COO and partner at Born Social. I mean, I thought welcoming 15 people to Born last year was, was very exciting. So, Tom, I don't know how you're containing that excitement. Um, but... Last year, I turned 30, and I'm really happy about it. I really want to give 30 some good PR. I think it's a fantastic age and decade. So I was thrilled to be hitting uh, those digits. And I had, uh, yeah, actually, I was really fortunate that it was in the summer, so I could kind of hang out outside. Uh, My family threw me a little surprise party in the garden, and my sister made me this like, amazing memory book of photos and letters from everyone, and it just literally was everything good about life that really kind of came in, in August for me. So, um, yeah, I have to say that's not only just a highlight of 2020, but probably one of the, the highlights of all time. So I feel very lucky that that happened last year when I really needed it. 
Oh, that's so sweet. Welcome to the 30s. <laughs> that's lovely. Um, and I'm Jess, the VP people at Whereby. Um, last year, I got engaged to my very long-term boyfriend. So that was extremely fun. Um, and I also started my new job at Whereby, which was really, really fantastic as well. Uh, starting a remote job during COVID was a bit of an anticlimax, I must say, but it was extremely great to start with a company that kind of fosters the same kind of values that I will have as we continue to get through this big period of remote working. Um, so great. Okay. Glad we all got to be grateful for something that happened last year. There are always silver linings to the clouds, of course, um, but it has definitely been tough for a lot of people. I think not everyone has had uh, all good days. And I think a lot of us have had lots of days which have been really, really difficult, especially I've heard from a lot of people in the second lockdown now in Europe that, you know, it's really starting to get to even the most optimistic members of the team and members of my friendship group. Um, and I think that's the first thing is we just kind of need to acknowledge that it, you know, it has been really difficult. And maybe on this podcast, we're not going to be able to answer some of the big questions that this brings up for us. Um, so thinking about that and acknowledging the kind of scale of this challenge and the scale of this question have you ever had to really deal with something quite like this in your career history before? Have you ever had this kind of big difficulty facing so many people in your team at once? I mean, there's a, like, obviously the answer to this question is definitely no, right? Like a, a, something of a pandemic magnitude happening and affecting everybody is, um, is like hard to imagine. But I do, I have thought back to a period of time where when I was at Innocent, um, where in the aftermath of the credit crisis, um, we had to make some redundancies. And it was the first time that as a business, we went through something like that. The redundancies affected pretty much every team. Um, and it was in the context of this bigger kind of economic event and shock that was going on that was affecting people's lives uh, in lots of different ways. So there's like, there's def there are definitely some parallels, I think. Um, but I guess because normal life was continuing outside work uh, in many respects, it's kind of not as profound as, as a pandemic. Yeah, I mean, I, I can hand on heart say absolutely not in my professional life, but weirdly it did make me think of uh, grief as the only kind of experience I can compare it to. And I guess as a shared experience with your family, it, it, there definitely are some similarities in the sense that it's been exhausting, it's been non-linear in its kind of emotional journey. Um, there's it's hard been hard to see an end in sight, um, and you know, it's partially a shared experience, but also partially really personal. Um, and yeah, I think kind of this this slight uh, approach to kind of thinking, well, you know, maybe things will never be the same again. Um, and actually, in grief, you're taught to understand that, you know, it won't, you won't be the same person. You've now got this experience that you'll carry forward with you. Um, and, you know, there are, there are good things and bad things about that. You know, from a grief perspective, I definitely am a stronger, more resilient person from having experienced that. And I think when it comes to our kind of culture and our ways of working, in lots of ways, we are better and stronger now. But you also have to mourn the stuff that, probably won't exist in our in our culture and ways of working anymore and that's really shit because some of those things are really fucking good and I will really miss them um yeah so that that's really it, it was 
when you asked that question, that was the only thing that really yeah. jumped out as an even remotely similar and comparable experience. It's funny. I think there's a lot of pressure to be able to deal with this on us as on us as individuals, right? Just like with grief. I think grief is such a great analogy for this. It's like, there's a lot of pressure on you as an individual to like get through it, keep your chin up, find the silver linings, get shredded, you know, make banana bread, whatever it is you need to do. Um, but there, you know, this is, un- I hate the word unprecedented now, but it is unprecedented. No one's done it before. So we don't have the answers, right? Um, it's, it's super tough. Um, but we all have experienced those moments at work and in our lives, which have been, you know, non-linear, very destructive, very difficult, challenging, and pervasive, spread through all different parts of our, our, our lives as well. So I think trying to draw on how what we did and how we tried to get through them uh, might be helpful for this episode today. What do you think, Rush? Yeah, and I just think that because this is a shared experience, we are all going through this together. In a weird way, it also does bring us closer. Uh, And whilst the physical proximity is not there because we may not be in an office and sitting with each other, we have found kind of, or at least I have personally felt that in some cases I am closer. I'm actually taking that time to check in with people more. I'm seeing my colleagues reaching out a bit more, showing a bit more empathy. So obviously that's good to have no no matter what, but I do feel that the the pandemic has kind of brought this into, into uh, under a kind of a magnifying glass and it has raised the need for us all to be just a bit more empathetic with each other. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that as well. I think, I mean, I don't know how podcast approved this statement's going to be, but I read a tweet recently, which was like, COVID is like the black light and humanity is like the hotel bed, uh, bed sheets. It's kind of like, <laughs> it's like revealing all of the disgusting things that we didn't want to talk about. And in a way, there's kind of like a catharticness about that, right? It's starting to bring out, like we saw Black Lives Matter last year, which is a huge part of, I think, what this question is as well. That exhausted so many people, Um, people that have been fighting for racial justice for years and years, for their entire lives, for generations, still seeing these same challenges presented to them. Uh, We saw economic crisis hitting different people from different economic backgrounds. We saw the rich get richer, the poor get poorer, and members of our team struggle with being apart from their family. It really did highlight some of the best and worst of humanity, I think. Um, So I think it's it's definitely worth us kind of going through that and thinking about the highs and lows and what we have discovered um, and how we can kind of capitalize on that in some way while also acknowledging some of the difficulties. Um, so if we break the question down, then there's, I think there's kind of three areas, right? So the first bit is 2020 was really hard. Um, and I think there's something in there for us to talk about, you know, let's acknowledge it. What have we done? How can we acknowledge it was hard? How do we acknowledge what's going to happen in 2021? What happens if it happens again? And just how do we acknowledge difficulty in general? Um, the second one is, you know, people are feeling exhausted, depressed, and uncertain. So, you know, what's our responsibility as a leader to look after people? How can we do that? And then finally, the third part of this question is this question around momentum and the future. You know, things feel uncertain. They feel unclear for people. How do we build a sense of momentum? How do we build some kind of sense of excitement? And how can we give our team something to look forward to when so much looks unclear? Um, Does that sound good? We can go through each of those in, in order. Yeah. Sounds good. Love it. Okay, great. Let's start with recognizing how hard 2020 has been. Who's done something good with their team that really helped kind of look back uh, at, at how this challenging year has unfolded? So we did this exercise 
literally a couple of weeks ago, we did a look back on 2020. Now, I would say that we're one of the one of the more fortunate companies because of our sector being in ed tech that we, you know, benefited. I hate using the word benefited, but uh, we have seen a boom in in use of, of our product and service. And so our team has has kind of grown. Doesn't mean that hasn't come with, with with challenges, but we did do this kind of look back at 2020 to say, okay, what did we manage to achieve despite the the, the, the difficult circumstances? And I think it's really important that you do celebrating what a shape, whatever shape or, or form that takes uh, to say, look, we've managed to survive a, a really tough climate. And uh, and that's all thanks to the, the, the perseverance and grit that you've all, and the resilience that you've all shown as a team. Yeah, that's, that's I think, super important to do that. And we, for example, we didn't change our, our targets last year. Um, kind of as a gesture to be like, you know, this year, any progress is progress. If we hit our targets, great. If we miss our targets, fine. Like, let's just let's just make sure that we realise that any progress we make this year is, is really positive and, and celebrated. And, you know, we hit one of our targets, we fell short of two of them. And actually, we do an end of year pride poll. And that's the highest it's ever been. Because I think people really recognise the level of adversity that that they had faced and the company had faced, and yet we still managed to achieve that level of progress. And that, in a weird way, that, that was just, it was so warming to, to see that level of pride. And very, quite rightly, that like absolutely every single person at board should have been really proud of, of what we achieved last year. Um, but it's just, it's funny that that level of pride existed when we didn't hit our goals. So, uh, you know, what are the lessons that we that we can take from that? But I mean, quite like like Raj as well. We we reflected on it as a as a business. Actually, we did a quite a lot of reflection mid year last year at our mid year company meeting. Um, at a point, kind of, I guess we've kind of got into a bit of a swing of things, and I guess trying to choose a, a fairly early opportunity to take stock of where we are and what we've learned and the challenges that we are facing and going to continue to face, and really, I guess, like air those frustrations and I guess try and help everyone come to terms with the reality rather than like remain in this denial that it's all going to go away soon um, and I think that really helped um, kind of yeah get it out there and then not park it but it does allow you to to move on and, and focus on where those silver linings might be perhaps. Yeah I won't um We'll go back over those points around around recognizing resilience and celebrating as a company we did some of that that stuff too it's really effective i think there's an exercise i've done with my team the last couple of years that really worked this year i think if you work in an agile environment where you're always improving things incrementally and nothing is ever done it's really hard to actually see the progress that you're making and something i did done over the last couple of years is walked my team back to the start of the year so go back to January 2020 and let's spend a bit of time remembering what January was like. And then let's think about all the things we've put in place over the course of this last year. And it was particularly uh, impactful, I think, this year because January 2020 just feels like a different country. It feels like a different era. <laughs> um, like everything has turned upside down. And so when we added up all the stuff that we've achieved, there were loads of people on the team who left that meeting thinking and feeling completely different things to what they've walked into the room with. Yeah. So holding a kind of retrospective is important. So if someone's listening out there and they haven't had a chance to do that with their team yet, 
maybe that, you know, it's not too late, right? Is it's only February. How would they go about kind of setting that up, that time now to say, like, let's before we get too far into the quarter, let's spend some time recognizing how far we've come and where, where do we need to go? What do you need to do to have a successful retro to kind of acknowledge this type of stuff? I think a good retro, you obviously want the, there are different types of retro, right? You can do a sort yeah. of self-critical retro where you're trying to work out how things could be better. You can do a accomplishment recognizing retro. A good one will probably balance a lot of that stuff. But I think the one that mm. you're talking about, just if I were trying to structure that, I want to start with the accomplishments. Um, and I like, with stuff like this, whether you're doing it looking backwards or looking forwards, I like to do a little bit of painting the picture a bit at the beginning whether it's like little cues that you can give people. Um, so like, you know, if you're thinking about back to January 2020, reminding people like what was going on in the world at that moment or like a bit that helps them like yeah. see themselves back there. If you're going to look forwards, get people to imagine a little bit about what the world is going to be like then and then and then start connecting the dots. I think that can help like move people out of the present. So that's kind of what you're trying to do. And I think also make that process fun and funny it doesn't always have to be just about kind of work accomplishments so in our one we we talked about new babies or new weddings and new pets mm. and the, and like it's like that's a little it's a win it's a win in its own right right and so I think acknowledging anything it doesn't have to be just purely kind of work related but bringing that human aspect that holistic aspect into when you're doing that uh, review of 2020 really helps kind of bring some warmth into into the whole process as well massively agree with that and I think also showing that whole picture actually you know, you're going through all the tough stuff which is you know giving permission to people to be like that's why it felt hard because it was really hard like all of this stuff happened but also reminding them you know, we've got this habit of holding on to the hard and the bad and the sad stuff actually reminding people of you know the, the bits of light in there um, and I think to go on the playful point is uh, you know that's not just in the content but the format so in our in our kind of uh the year so far when we do it mid-year we themed it as a netflix documentary and called it unprecedented and it was <laughs> we were like a agency so we've got a lot of creative designers at hand so it's all like netflix branded and, and like we added a bit of light to what was you know and absolutely still was like a very serious exercise but i think yeah, as a leader, those are the types of things that you can do. If your team are exhausted, like don't make it too heavy. Yeah. Like don't need that, that extra weight on the session. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a really good point. Um, okay, great. So we I think we've we've kind of tackled this idea of like retrospective looking back, I think, on 2020. And now we're in but we're in 2021 now, right? So the team is feeling how they're currently feeling. We need to help manage these feelings of exhaustion, of depression, of uncertainty. Um, the first question I'd love to know is we've all got different roles here, right? Tom and I are in people, but Raj and Shah, you've, you've got very different positions. What do you see as our responsibilities in our different roles and as a company to kind of manage individuals' feelings of exhaustion, depression, and uncertainty? Well, I guess uh, a COO, like my, my first, um, I guess, like operational approach was to look at the budgets that we weren't spending this year on you know money behind the pub bar on a Friday night and be like great what are we going to use these for um, and luckily we've, we've always indexed quite highly on what we invest and how we support from a, a well-being perspective but there's always more you can do so we kind of immediately re-channeled uh, some of those expenses that we weren't going to be taking on into newer initiatives so kind of we upped our 
uh, our wellbeing support uh, a company called Spill. I really recommend anyone who, who hasn't um, heard of them before to kind of check them out. They're, they're brilliant. Um, and we looked at work from home setup. So everyone, again, had a real kind of range of, of you know, where they were working from. So, you know, allocated a budget, helped people think through what they might want to spend that budget on. Um, you know, if it was plants, because that's what you needed to kind of create a nicer space for yourself, great. If it was literally a, a chair and a desk because you didn't have that, you know, fine. So we were really flexible with, with what people needed to, to be at home. And I think that made um, that made a big difference. But yeah, my first port of call was to look at what are the budgets and the things that we are no longer doing as a business and how can we repurpose them rather than just kind of letting them sit unspent. Um, and I understand a lot of businesses were worried financially. So thought, great, we're not going to spend that budget. So like, let's just kind of keep it untouched. Uh, we actually found it much to be much more effective to, to re-spend it somewhere else. Yeah, and just kind of uh, to, to build on that, which is our, our favourite, favourite. I have to get it in, right? Every every podcast, I have to get it in. Uh, so... I we, we simply kind of reviewed how we support colleagues um, remotely and we have this kind of uh, periodic surprise and delight budget where we'll send people a gift and just to kind of surprise them and make them rec- like realise that we're thinking of them and, and grateful for all the gr- great work that they're doing. The second thing I'd say from a leadership perspective as a, as a founder and CEO is being vulnerable and authentic yourself and, and showing people it's okay to be struggling. It's okay to have difficult moments. And so for me, that was sharing my experiences of going to a and having my back surgery. And it was a really scary thing, right? Yeah, and, it must have been. But I kind of managed to change that narrative in the way that I kind of see things genuinely and look at all the positives. So I literally told two stories to the team. One, which was the pessimistic story of doom and gloom, how you could interpret it. But then the other one of how I personally took it and actually looked at all the positives, including like how the wait time could be seen as a positive and how these, and and, and I think the team really, really appreciated that. And just to kind of show them that, you know, we all go through different challenges and it's okay to talk about them and, and how you can, how I personally kind of cope. Um, and then the third thing I would say is when things do get really difficult and, you know, we've had times where there's there's been stuff that has been really overwhelming. There's all sorts of, um, particularly around Q4, where there's a big pressure on our services. It's just to get involved. And, and for me, that's like even me, whether it be jumping on an intercom message or getting involved in a specific request, like really say that we're in this together. And it's not just that that's a problem for you to, to sort out. And I think as leaders, we need to um, we remind our, our colleagues that we are there. We're not above it all. And yes, we, we have a role to play, but actually when times are tough, uh, leaders should, should, should step in and, and, and chip in as much as possible. Thanks, guys. I'll talk, I'll talk from the people perspective a bit. And then, Jess, I'd actually, I, I would really like to hear what you're doing as well, because you're a, a, a kind of virtual first workplace, which I think is interesting. Very different, had to yeah. Learn to, to adapt. I want to add to Charlotte's point around mental health. We were piloting some mental health support tools like Spill as we went into lockdown. And it was just, as you found, Charlotte, easy to reallocate some budget to invest more there. The thing that we did that made a difference and still makes a difference is really clearly thinking about the different pathways people might be on and making sure it was easy for them to find the right support that was specific to their particular situation, their particular mental health pathway. And we set that out in in a a simple and helpful way for people, which has been good. 
I have to admit to having felt a bit overwhelmed as a chief people officer about how to deal with the enormity of this issue and done some sitting down myself and with my team trying to come up with ideas for stuff to do. What I realized and noticed is the most powerful stuff was the stuff that our team members came up with themselves. And so rather than trying to come up with loads of initiatives and push them out from the center, although we've done a bit of that, we've done a lot more of trying to spot where there are good ideas, listen to them, and then give those people a bit of support to get those ideas happening. So like some really simple things we we now have, like um, regular coffee slots that people can sign up to to be matched with a random person so that they're making connections outside their team. And something we've called the Tour de Bulb, which is like a step counting challenge where we're trying to walk or run or cycle between each of our different offices. So London to Brighton to France to Madrid to South Africa, where we have some outsourced team members to uh, Texas and back. Uh, and all of those things are, are kind of run and and kept alive by bold team members. And they're just so much better and so much more kind of vivid than anything that we would have designed in the center. Mm. I love that walking step challenge. I've yeah struggled with my exercise at points during lockdown. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I talk a lot uh, kind of myself about thinking about people ops like a product. And there's, I think there's really two sides of the people ops job. One side is this human ops side of things that you really need a human being to do. They're like talking to someone, having a one-to-one with them, asking how things are going, the empathy, the listening, advocating for values. Uh, and then the other half is building things that are useful for the, to- the team to help support them. I have really kind of to- strongly leaned on my team to wherever wherever necessary, wherever possible, over-index on the human side of stuff this year. Um, really try very hard. So, you know, it's okay to delay a project if it means that somebody has your ear when they need it, that's okay. Um, whereas usually I think probably would be it slightly less kind of parental around how much human ops time we give. Um, I've really tried to allow a lot more space for that kind of guidance and advisory side of the people ops function. Um, and I think that's been really uh, appreciated. The other things as well is, uh, you know, we are an incredibly flexible team. And I think that level of flexibility has been something that's really helped people get through these feelings because like grief, as you mentioned, Shah, you, you know, it's nonlinear. You don't know when this is going to strike. These feelings of exhaustion very often aren't going to be happening at 6 p.m. when you log off. They will happen at 11 a.m. just before lunch and they'll happen for a couple of hours um, or even all day. So we've really put a lot of effort into reminding our team that they are in charge of how they want to work time-wise in terms of how much they can put in, in terms of how much holiday they take. We've now uh, released unlimited holiday, uh, matched mental and physical well-being so that there's no difference between a sick day and a mental uh, mental health day. Um, you just book the day and take it. And we trust you to take whatever you need. And I think that kind of level of flexibility has really helped people get through this when there is so much uncertainty having this very strict regimented nine to five kind of sore thumbing its way into this chaos it feels a little out disconnected I think so that that's been a big thing for us is really to allow the flexibility but of course I know not every you know person has that not every company sorry has that kind of freedom on the um on that structural point I think in terms of that loosening that structure um it was a brilliant thing to do. 
it's a slight antidote to that. I think um, trying looking to places where we can create structure or create yeah. certainty, I also think has been been really helpful. So, for example, something that was really weighing on our team's mind was how the business was doing. And they, you know, they were hearing of the huge mass, whether it's furlough or redundancies. And um, you know, we do a commercial update in our in our Monday briefing every every week. But still, I think people wanted an even clearer, explicit line from our CEO to say we're we're comfortable. We, no one needs to worry. And so, you know, we had to pause a couple of our our, our bigger clients who were in the travel and and, and tourism industry. Other than that, we were we've done pretty well. Um, but the team really needed that weekly, that weekly confirmation that no, we're not furloughing anyone. We put a, um, a salary freeze in place, um, and we we really communicated the fact that we did that not because um, we were really desperately worried, but this was preventative. So we will we will lift it as soon as we feel confident that kind of ridden ridden the wave for a bit but that is to make sure that everyone is secure and safe um, and I think that that really helps and I don't know if that's easy to do when you're a business of 60 60 people um, it's different if you're a FTSE 100 company to, to kind of communicate that level of of, of certainty um, but if you can do that recognize that people really need to feel safe and secure in their jobs to be motivated like it's one of the hygiene factors of Hertzberg's um, hygiene and motivators so yeah that communicating and giving people that security if you can is, yeah. is really effective I think this has brilliantly led us on to the third point of this actually this question which is all about uncertainty you know the future doesn't look like it's getting much better quickly i mean the uk is rolling out vaccines quickly which is great and but it's not just covid like we said before there's so many other things going on right now which are making people feel this way um so we're looking forward with this sense of uncertainty this sense of apprehension so we, we can put some structure around things like communicating the, the health of the business what else can we do to build that sense of certainty or even excitement when we need it I think for those working in startups, generally there is a it's a given that it is an uncertain world, uh, and obviously that's now exacerbated with with the external uh, uh, kind of s- circumstances that we're facing. So I think it would be wrong, particularly as a founder CEO, to ever say to the team that you know everything is absolutely going to be perfect and everything's <laughs> going to go to plan. And I think being authentic and genuine and, and honest with the team is, is important. I'm always upfront, even in interviews, I kind of really say, you do know what to expect, right? You're joining a startup environment. It's it's not going to be all uh, a linear path to IPO and, and, and unicorn status, right? So I think that's, uh, that's worth bearing uh, in mind. Uh, but that said, I think there are ways of uh, fostering that sense of excitement because that's part of the reason why people do join uh, an early stage company is that ability to change the world, ability mm. to make a difference. And I think reminding people of your vision, your mission, your purpose, uh, we're in the process of kind of doing a refresh ourselves. We have a new, we've been working with an agency to support us on that and a new kind of organizing story as they call it and and in sharing some of that uh, with the team earlier this at uh, the beginning of the year really helped um kind of motivate people and remind them, wow, yeah, we are doing something exciting. So I think that's what you can do, but you don't obviously want to um, mislead people to kind of say that everything is going to be perfect all the time, right? So it's finding that 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 balance, which is tricky. Yeah, we, we've taken on a similar bit of work um, 
for like, last year we, we always set kind of an, an annual annual goals and an annual theme but um we've really been wanting to set a slightly longer term view of of on social and so we set the second half of the year cracking on with that and the good thing about operating at you know three four five years in the future is that actually you can kind of take some level of assumption that things will have settled down a bit and it is that kind of aspirational inspirational type work and I think you know we were skeptical to be like are people going to be like oh, <laughs> what we um, but actually if you know your team and like you know we, we know the board or not you know, very well and actually they were really excited to have a longer term anchor to help inform their careers and we've talked about the fact that you know the way that we achieve this vision is it's going to be different to how we would have achieved it you know our, our goals that we set for, for this year are probably going to be different if there hadn't been a pandemic sure but you know it is what it is and we're really confident we can still make progress towards this stuff because a lot of it is learning and development focused it's it's upskilling, it's updating processes, all of that we can absolutely still still do. Um, and then another slightly smaller thing that we did, and I, I still don't know if this is a waste of money or not. I'm, I'm hoping not. But, um, we, we'll be honest. Yeah, <laughs> I've redesigned our office. And that is because I do hope that we will be able to have access to it uh, in the coming months. Um, but also, we don't need a desk per person anymore. So, you know, we were like, well, there's no point having an office sat there with, you know, a desk per person. So let's reconfigure the space and make it a space that people, when they are going to pop in every now and again, they're going to really enjoy being in there. So we put in some bleachers, some new screens, some new breakout areas. And I just thought it was something, a really good use of budget. It didn't cost, it didn't cost the earth. And it's just going to be a create a space that's a bit more of a safe haven for people to go to when when they are going to, you know, venture in. I love that. It actually makes me feel excited. And I'm yeah. even part of the office. I'm like, oh, bleaches. We should go visit. We should go visit. <laughs> yeah, I love that. I, um, I've been, like, really racking my brains at every stage in the pandemic about what's the time to start planning for, like, coming out of it. And we, we I, like, I don't think I have a clear plan yet on this and each time I felt like I needed to plan it I've actually realized a month later that the situation has changed and and the solution has changed again I do think that people need some certainty and so the best solution I can come to is trying to work out how you get people involved in the conversation about how they want the future to be Um, like Charlotte I think we you know our workspace will need to change when we return to it we are 50% bigger now than we were when we went into lockdown um it's entirely imaginable that we will be twice the size um we've opened a new office in a new part of the country at that time um and so the structure of our team is just entirely different and i think we do need to rethink how we work and a bit like that principle around the best ideas coming from the team around stuff for people's well-being um i think we're going to get great ideas from our team about about how work should look as well so um so I guess the, the sort of reflection there is I don't think we can offer certainty yet, um, but I do think we can offer some good conversations and some like co-design. Yeah, yeah. I think one of the good things about working for a remote company is we don't have that same lingering sense of uncertainty about when we return to an office. We know we're not going to. So 
So it's more kind of motivation is when are we going to be able to enjoy the things we have, enjoy the benefits that we've been so desperately wanting to enjoy. Um, and I really try to keep the sense of momentum with my team just kind of operationally, like setting really regular, we have to be running two week sprints, the same as a product function does and really celebrating the things we achieve at the end of those two week sprints, setting up clear, like goals and milestones and exciting things for us to launch and really trying to keep that sense of happiness, uh, and kind of motivation because I'm, very uncertain what I'll be doing in May, but I'm 95% certain we'll launch our new progression framework, which is fun to think about. Um, although this has actually been the thing that I've struggled with the most recently, like completely honestly, the, my motivation has dipped so low. I feel so tired. You feel like a hamster in a wheel, I think. And that, that can be really draining for people, the sense of Groundhog Day. One of the things I, I wanted, you know, I've kind of shared with our team is that you can love your job and sometimes feel like you hate it at the moment. That is okay. Um, it is okay to have a day where you wake up and just groan at the idea about having to sit in front of your computer again. We don't think it's because you hate whereby and we don't think it's because you hate engineering or finance or whatever it is. It probably is just because you've been doing the same thing for the last 300 days and you're tired of it and it's not, it's not inspiring anymore. Um, and kind of accepting that and trying to offer new inspiration, um, you know, we've we've started to run out of some of the things that were fun last year. We've all baked our sourdoughs. We've all <laughs> we've all run our five k. <laughs> we've all played chess. We're starting to so you know the inspiration's running dry a little. Um, okay, great. We're gonna we're gonna wrap up on one last thing. If anyone doesn't have any final points on how to kind of build that sense of uncertainty, um, or so, sorry, sense of motivation and excitement. Um, and I would just love to hear what's something that you are looking forward to this year, but also just to balance it out, what's the thing you miss the most right now? What's the thing that you really wish you could get your hands on or get your face in front of for some very pensive faces right now for those listening? One thing. I think for me, it is really seeing a big group of people like I am a very people orientated person I get a lot of energy from seeing people and I don't care whether that is a pub full of strangers or an office <laughs> full of people I, I mean actually my number one on my list would be a big family and friends party then followed by a full office of one social like that was me oh I'd be so happy about that I cannot wait <laughs> I don't know when it will be and something I'm looking forward to this year, I'm not very good at UK like staycations. Um, I usually like a couple of big, sunny, different holidays abroad. And I'm determined that this year I am going to plan a really cool staycation. I'm like psyching myself up for that. I might not, it might not be abroad this year again, but like I'm going to nail a staycation this year, which we didn't do last year. So I'm excited about that. Love it. So I feel like you and I are the same person. Um, I would have probably given exactly the same answers, which is, uh, which but I'll, I'll choose some different stuff instead. Uh, I, uh, I've realised I play football once a month, once a week. Sorry, not to a very high standard at all. Just like <laughs> you, you can't remember how like often it is. By the side. But just that structured, like charging around with the same group of people once a week, and something like team oriented and slightly competitive that's not work where I, my brain is just completely focused on that other thing for a period of time I, I 
I really, I really miss that. I didn't know that I would miss that um, so much. The thing that I'm looking forward to the most, and I, it felt the same at the end of lockdown one, I didn't realise, again, that the sea was so important to me. But seeing the sea, uh, like seeing a landscape or a horizon that is a bit bigger than, I mean, I live in Hackney, so you don't like, don't get a great sense of perspective uh, in my local area. Um, but yeah, getting out to like see the edge of the earth or a bit of a horizon uh, just makes such a difference. So I'm, I'm well up for that. I'm just thinking about it. <laughs> I think we're all the same people to be fair I would have said exactly the same as well as, as you Shah um, but but just to mix it up a bit if you listen to our last uh, episode or the episode around um, learning and development you would have heard that one of the the skills that I'm trying to master is, is becoming a DJ oh, I'm, yes. at the, I'm at the start of that journey um, and so I think what I'm looking forward to is 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 actually getting good enough to actually play in front of hopefully a group of, of friends and family or maybe my colleagues so yes that's what I think I'd be looking forward to we definitely need to do some kind of there's this thing at work party where yeah. Raj and yes. Ben can do a DJ off in front of other totally. people totally great <laughs> Uh, and what's the thing you miss the most? I miss um, it, it's it's definitely the, the, the my colleagues and and seeing them face to face. Yeah. Um, so I'm I'm looking forward to the opportunities just to come together. Uh, whether we go back to a, a full office or not, uh, actual p- permanent office, uh, the ability just to come together uh, is is what I miss. Yeah, yeah. I think mine's fairly similar. To be honest, my work thing I miss the most is I really love like away days and like getting together and like getting post-it notes and coming up with ideas and that buzz of like solving problems and bouncing things off each other. It's just, it's, it's fun, but it's not the same on Miro. I do love Miro, but I kind of just want to, I want to pack a post-it notes and some pens and just to let my team have fun with it. Yes. Oh my God. Flip charts. I never thought I'd say it, but I miss flip charts and bad hotel coffee and those trays of pret sandwiches. I miss it. I know. Um, the So that's probably one thing I miss. And then on a personal missing, I kind of miss like going rummaging through op shops. I really love like thrift shopping and just looking at things and seeing things that give me inspiration, seeing art, seeing something new. Um, it's, it's, I've got a lovely view, but it's getting, it's getting a bit dull. <laughs> um, and then what I'm looking forward to, I guess, is the, is the first day of, uh, being allowed back out after lockdown, that feeling of relief and calm that we will have when we ha- we hear the good news and things are looking on the up um, and being able to celebrate with everyone. I'm just really looking forward to that so much. Being able to catch the Eurostar across to London and give everyone a big hug. Yeah. Oh my gosh, it's going to be a joy. Um, okay. Well, hopefully if you're listening in, this has given you some sense of motivation and excitement as we come through what has been an incredibly difficult couple of months. Um, I'm going to wrap up today. Uh, my name has been Jess, uh, as I said at the beginning of the episode, and you have been listening to the absolutely incredible Raj, Shah and Tom. I'd love to send a shout out, a thanks, a big kiss and a hug when we're allowed to not socially distance anymore to Mel and Ben for producing today's episode. And of course, to you, you wonderful human beings listening to us on There's This Thing at Work. Please send through your questions. We love to hear your deepest, darkest thoughts. And that's been our episode today. Thanks so much. Bye.